morning going to be reading from Jeremiah chapter 2, if you would like to, uh, to turn in your Bibles this morning to, to that second chapter of, uh, of Jeremiah. I've got to, to share with you, I always try to be intentional about recognizing uh, the wonderful uh, volunteers that we have on any given week, on any given Sunday. We have so many volunteers in, in various ministries and and um, yeah, we, couldn't, we couldn't do what we do without all of you that, that step up in so many ways. And it's easy, I don't want to say to, to, to take for granted, but to not recognize the challenges that any given ministry may face. Uh, I, I share all of that with you because yesterday here in the, the church, and I know many of, we had a number of volunteers that, that were part of the, the crew that helped support the Operation Christmas Child See, Bethany's already out with the praise. Kickoff, is that what we called it? Okay, the kickoff uh, that was here and and folks from churches around the area that came. Uh, Our praise band was here and they did some worship time and some music. And so I volunteered, because I wasn't going to be up leading worship and singing, to uh, to run the computer. And and it went, no, don't laugh, it went okay. (laughs) There's no problem. But I realized... You know, just how challenging, and I see CT back there, and I know Jeanette, and, and um, 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 I'm not, if I start blank, I'm going to blank on names of all of you guys and ladies that do that, but that's a little nerve-wracking, because you can't be off, and, uh, and so I was back there running the computer, and I did it flawlessly. I mean, I was pretty good, but, um, <laughs> but it, it does. It, I, it just gave me a deep appreciation. It reminded me uh, how important it is to see sometimes what, what people do that, that we, I mean, we all know what happens when the slides get off because we also depend on it. I mean, we're all, you know, we're in that kind of a society now. I know many of us grew up in church when, you know, you open the hymnal and there's still value in that. And some of you still do. We have those available, but most of us rely on the screens. And I thank our volunteers who keep us straight. And I understand when occasionally it gets off because it's, you know, you can't, you guys can daydream for a minute. You guys can. You can drift off for a moment. I see you. I watch you. But those who are back, they can't do that. They don't have a moment. So I appreciate our volunteers that do that CT this morning, but all of you folks that do that. Um, so, so thank you. Now to, uh, to Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 4 through 13. Hear, hear these words that the Lord speaks, but that the Lord speaks through the prophet. Hear the word of the Lord, you descendants of Jacob, all you clans of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me, that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. I want you to hear that. Became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness? Through a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives. I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. But you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priests did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, following worthless idols. Therefore, I bring charges against you again, declares the Lord, and I will bring charges against your children's children. Cross over the coast of Cyprus and look. Send to Kedar and observe closely. See if there has ever been anything like this. 
Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Friends, sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that you would speak to us in these moments, challenge us, and work within us that we would seek greater faithfulness, greater obedience to being the people that you have called us and created us to be. Speak now. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. How many of you look at the sermon titles when you come in? Always. All right? Okay. Well, not all of you, but how many of you looked at the sermon title this morning and thought, wow, he's finally preaching a sermon about me? Anybody? Anybody? All right, a few of you. All right, all right, confession time. How many of you looked at the sermon title and thought, man, he's preaching about the person sitting next to me today? There's a few of you because you said something right down here that, that said, it, it's funny how we... Um, you know, we, we read these kind of things, and, and I kind of try to come up sometimes with, with quirky things to call sermons, and, and we been to begin to project and things, but you know, don't shoot the messenger here, but the, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, the prophet, Jeremiah, speaks to the people, God speaks to us, and basically what he says is, you're a bunch of crackpots. You are you and me, us, a bunch of crackpots. Not necessarily in the way that, that we normally think of that. Crackpot is one of those terms that you, you sometimes derise, divisively or derisively use um, to describe somebody who's not thinking well, who's um, you know not playing with a full deck. We all have those kind of terms that we use, and and somebody that really probably deserves more our prayers than our than our criticism. It's not that kind of a, a crackpot, if you will. But, but it's a crackpot that isn't living into the very thing that it has been or that we have been created for. Let's, let's look a little, little deeper at this this morning. Um, the image that drives this is, is water. Now, water for us, we know, is an essential of life. We can't live without it. But the reality is we're fortunate that we live in a, in a time and a place where we have a variety of ways that we can get good, clean water. You know, every, every Sunday, Malcolm, or when he's here, and somebody else will step up when he's not, but, but Malcolm, who bought this for me, fills this up with water so that I can have water to, you know, wet, wet the vocal cords as I need to, like right now. And that's what's in the cup every week. Contrary to popular opinion, it's water. Um, one of my favorite stories, and I know some of you have heard it, was um, it used to be a styrofoam cup. Malcolm upgraded me. Um, but um, some of you remember back in the, the back, and Faye Blackstone, when she was here, uh, you know, and she, and I've told this story about Faye because it was one of my favorite stories ever in ministry. But Faye was sitting over here to my left one Sunday morning, and um, Faye 
didn't hear so well. And Faye fell into that, that category sometimes, which she didn't hear so well, but she didn't realize how loud she was when she spoke. And um, I grabbed the cup. Yo, you guys remember the story. I, I grabbed the cup, and I had had a sip, and I came down, and we had the steps. I wasn't on this. And I slipped and fell. I just, boom, right down on my butt. And I was fine. You know, the ego took a bruising, but I was fine. But Faye leaned over, and I think what she thought was a whisper, and she looked at her friend, she said, I don't think that's water in his cup. <laughs> and, and it took everything I had to hold it together, and everybody who was around, because we all heard it. It was wonderful. I loved it. One of my favorite, favorite moments. It is water in the cup. So, so we, get, we get water. You know, you can walk down to the fountain and get water. You can go in, into the kitchen and, and get it out of the sink. In our homes, we have refrigerators with filters and, and we can get water there. Many of us grew up, we'd grab a hose and drink out of it. I mean, yeah. there's so many ways that, that we get water. And one of the, the ways that became prominent in the last part of the 20th century was water bottles. You know, we, we buy water bottles. And there's plenty of jokes and comedians that do their stand-up bits about, you know, who fooled us into paying for something that we get for free. But, um, but I started to, to think about this, and I grabbed this water bottle out of our fridge, because we, we have them too, and... And I looked at the, uh, there's actually ingredients on a water bottle. Um, and there's actually a few things other than water in it, but I, I'm not enough to know what that, what that means. But it says, this is, this is Nestle. It says sources, private water supply, um, Red Bottling Springs, Tennessee, and or public water supply, Red Boiling Springs, Lafayette, and or Salina, Tennessee. Hear that, public water supply. They're not even pretending. You know, there's some, Carrie brings in his Perrier water on, on Sunday mornings. At least they pretend that that's really kind of French and fancy. They're not even lying to you. It's just, you know, it's tap water in many ways. We drink over 10 million bottles of water in this country a year. Average person, 170 bottles of water a year. 38, which we recycle, which is a different sermon title, or a different sermon. And, um, and we know, really, I mean, other than maybe some brands, we understand that we're not really necessarily buying water that's any better than what most of us get in our homes. Uh, there's been studies. This is no better than the water that comes out of our tap. In fact, again, public water supply, so it's coming from the same place. We buy it, I think, at least for me, for convenience. That's why we buy bottled water. And I don't think there's anything wrong with buying bottled water. I'm not... Again, we have a whole bunch in our fridge because it can grab and go. And put it in a backpack. You can carry it. Because we know we need water. We know water. It is the second most popular bottled drink in the U.S. after sodas. Um, and so, so we know we need it. So we take it. And so we're at a place in our life where we can choose our water based on convenience. And we don't, think, we don't have to get up in the morning and think, oh, I hope I have water today. Parts of the world do. And there's, there's charities and, and missions out there that reach to communities and, and parts of the world where water um, is a very, very precious commodity. We don't think of it that way. But, but we need to. You know, we need to kind of forget the simplicity of, of grabbing a bottle to fully grasp the significance of, of what Jeremiah is saying to the people because he's talking about broken cisterns. He's talking to about a, uh, to a, to a people th that live in a very arid and dry and... and a climate that doesn't get a lot of, of rain. Those of you that have been 
to the promised land. I've told you that when I went years ago, our joke was, hey, look, it's rocks and dirt. Um, because, because that's what you see a lot in Israel. And that was the climate. They're, they're, they weren't used to uh, days where your, your, your lawn's underwater because it's like we may be getting for a few days here. Very, very different. Water was a, a precious commodity. There was always a risk of, of not having enough. So they would dig these cisterns. Cisterns, big, big holes in the ground. I mean, that's really what they are. If you remember the story of, of um, Joseph when he's, when he's thrown in the hole by his brothers before he's sold into slavery, that was a cistern. Jeremiah would be thrown in a cistern later in his life. Big hole in the ground, various forms, various ways. And the whole point of it was to catch any runoff rainwater, to catch any excess water, so that on those times when there was, when, when, when there was um, drought and there was not enough water, you had an emergency supply of water. It wasn't what you necessarily wanted to go to. It wasn't the cleanest supply of water. But when you're in life and death realities, you, you can't afford to be picky. Yesterday in here, as I, I talked about the, the Operation Christmas Child, they, one, there was a young lady who was talking about um, her work in the Philippines and distributing some of the boxes and some of these holes that they would use in these really, really poverty-stricken communities that would just catch rainwater and run off from the roads and other things for emergency water supplies. And we think of that and we cringe, which, which we, we should, but, but the idea is that these were necessities. This was, a, this was a, a time and a place where you had to have something to catch that kind of water. And when it didn't function properly, it was useless. You couldn't have a cistern that had a hole in it. You couldn't afford to go to your cistern in your time of drought and not have water supply there. It could very much be the difference between life and death. And, and Jeremiah wants to use this, and God uses this as, a, as an image, as a metaphor to shape the people's understanding of his complaint against them. I've got this in my office grabbed it. I think I've pulled it out before. Um, I found this years ago and uh, I loved it because I love the look of it. It's very kind of, I don't know that it's any kind of an antique, but it has that look and, and we, I, I thought I could use this for, for various things um, here at the church or, or dramas and, and things. And, um, and I did use it once or twice, would fill it with water, but then um, I realized I had a problem. As the water sat in it once or twice, it, it accentuated or, or um, well, it just, it just forced the crack. And um, now it's a decorative piece in my office. I honestly don't know why I keep it. I just think it looks kind of cool. Maybe I think one day I'll fix it. Um, but, but, it's, but it's useless. I mean, it, it's not, other than just looking at it, it has no purpose because it can't hold the thing it was created to hold. It can hold no water. So Jeremiah says to the people, God says to his people, you've become like cracked pots. The thing that you were being created for, the blessings that I hunger, that God says that I've just, I hunger and have poured into you. It just, it leaks like a sieve. It just, it leaks like a sieve. And so this living water has no place to, to find reservoir. It has no place to build up because as it's poured in, it's poured out. Or even worse, what you've done is, is you've sought other sources. You've sought, you have this clean, pure 
wonderful water. You know, it, it, it'd be like taking something that is pure and clean and deciding, no, I'd rather, I'd rather drink from the toilet. Yeah, ew, <laughs> exactly, ew, isn't that, isn't it? And that's, that's what God, that's perfect, that's perfect, that's gross, and that's just, but, but that's what you've done. You've taken this pure water, can you come back in the second and third service and do that again? <laughs> you know, you, you've taken this, and, and you've just, you're just, you're, you're leaking, you're leaking. And, and God levies this charge, and, and it, it's, it sounds angry when you can read it kind of through an angry tone, but, but I think really the tone that we should read through is more of a, of a broken heart. God's heart breaks for his people that he loves who have forsaken this gift and, and have just, just not held this living water that he, that he longs to give. Jesus would use the same image with the woman at the well. Remember in John chapter 14, and he says, I've come to, to if you drink from this water, um, you will never thirst. It is the living water. And he's not offering her a cup of, of liquid. He's offering her a, a spiritual truth. And that's exactly what God's doing. So he says to us, you've, you've just you've become leaky cisterns. So what do we do in the face of that? Well, it's simple. It's obvious. We repair the cistern. We repair the cistern. We begin to repair those things in our lives that God desires of us so that we can begin to, to hold and to be blessed by this living water that he desires to pour into us. And the, the most clear answer I have to how do we do that is this. We worship. We worship. Scripture says that God inhabits the praises. God inhabits the worship of his people. We make worship a daily practice of our lives. Not just in this time. This, and I talked about this last week. This is certainly one of the ways that God calls us to experience his presence and to be open to his voice, to hearing his voice. But worship becomes the daily practice, the intentional time that we set aside to be with God. Through his word, through prayers, that when we worship through the sacraments, there's so many ways that God desires to meet us because it orients our life to see his blessings, to see his hand, to have his hope, to understand that our hope is in Christ. So what happens is we become like the people of Israel. We begin to, to seek out other sources of water that we think has the blessings and has the hope and has the answers that, that we want. So we look to, to political parties and presidential candidates as if they hold the hope for us. Or um, we, we look to bank accounts and to stock markets and, and to, to material sources, that somehow that has the hope and the promise that we look for. And I'm not saying those things in and of themselves are bad or that you shouldn't be involved in politics and things like that, but when that becomes our source of, of life, of water, um, it's, it's kind of ooh, you know? It's ooh. God says, Worship. Be with me. Spend time with me. Because what happens is we are in a we're in an instant gratification society. We're an instant gratification people. You know, a marketing plays to this. We spend thousands of dollars on it. We we want to be fit and healthy. 
but we want it in a pill. We want it in five minutes, just five minutes a day, and you can look like this incredible Adonis fitness model that's in the commercial that got that way and didn't do any of the stuff they're advertising to get that way. <laughs> but you can do that because it's, it's simple and it's quick. You know, we, we want, we want J.G. Wentworth, I want my money and I want it now. You know, that kind of thing. We, we have a, a, a generation of young people that are hitting jog markets, and I was reading a, an article about this, and they're really struggling because they're wondering why they're not supervisors and advanced management in the first year of their employment. Because I deserve it, right? You know, and what they're not realizing is the, the lesson of life that we know that you advance in the day in and day out grind. You advance in the moments, the day-to-day -day moments of the investment of time. You get, you know, you get healthy and, and fit by eating right and exercising daily. It doesn't happen in a week. I wish it did. I would pay for that product, but it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. And so that kind of mentality that, that permeates us begins to affect our spirituality. And when things are good and, and life's okay, we, we kind of backburner God. But then when we hit those moments, when it gets tough, what we want is an instant fill. God, pour it all in. Just pour it all in right now because I need it. That's not the way God works. Occasionally he may answer that prayer. But what God desires is the day-to-day -day nurturing of that relationship so that when those moments come, our reservoir is already full. You know, a cistern isn't used for day-to-day -day needs. A cistern is used for the moments when the emergency hits and the greatest need is felt. But the cistern's valuable when it's full. God says to his people, I desire to. There's no, this is an inexhaustible supply. Jesus says, you drink this water, you don't go thirsty. But you have to repair the cistern. You have to be intentional. My people have not been intentional about the day-to-day -day nurturing of the relationship, of worship, of coming to me with open hearts and experience in my presence and the power that I pour into you. And so, as Jeremiah's, they will experience in Jeremiah's lifetime, when it came, their cisterns were empty. God's blessing was not felt because they'd forgotten how to hear and turn to him. The day-to-day -day practice of worship, of nurturing our faith in that relationship with God is essential for each of us. It's too important. I, I, it's so important, I don't know that I can adequately express it. Because that's how we begin to repair the system. Stephen Covey tells a story that there's some variations of uh, in his book, Seven um, Habits of Highly Effective People. And, 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 you know, you can find it in various forms, but basically the one that I, that I most recently read was, you know, a gentleman comes across like a lumberjack in the woods. And uh, he looks, and, and the lumberjacks, there's two lumberjacks, and they're kind of a distance away, and they're working to fell these big, massive trees. And the one lumberjack's been working all day long, all day long, not a break, and his labor is hard. And he looks up, and he sees that his compadre, just over in the distance, who's also been at it all day, is almost done. He's like cut twice as much. And he gets angry about it because he knows that every hour that guy's taking a break. Every hour that guy's stopped what he's doing. He hadn't stopped the whole time, but he stopped every single hour. And in his frustration, he walks over and says, I don't understand. Why? You've taken a break all day long, and I've been working, and yet you're so much further along. And he says, because you don't see what's happening in those five-minute breaks that I'm taking. He's like, I'm not just resting. He's like, every break I take, I sharpen the saw. 
and sharpen the saw. And so, with a sharp saw, the world becomes easier. What happens is we go, we go, we go. We don't take time to sharpen the saw, to repair the system, to allow God's power to be present and real and speak into our lives. Yeah, we, we become crackpots. We all do it. We all do it. Own it, but don't delight in it. Don't delight in it. Allow God's grace to, to begin to repair those cracks, to begin to put the pieces back together so that we can be a full reservoir of the living water that God longs to pour into our lives. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, we, um, we delight in your presence in these moments, but, but may these moments be more than, than just an hour on Sunday. May our worship be moment to moment, day to day, minute to minute, as we invite your presence into our lives to speak to us, to direct our path, and to um, guide our journey that we would be strong cisterns to hold the living water that you pour into us. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.